love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC Media Company to find out how you can show your support. DATC Media is very excited to be a Nugs.net official affiliate. Never miss the show. Nugs.net allows you to stream live concert audio and video in their app anytime, anywhere. Listen to last night's show with premium sound quality and official soundboard recordings. Watch a stacked archive of past live performances from countless artists and access future subscriber-exclusive live streams. Easily keep track of your tour highlights with shareable playlists and more. Take a scroll through and you'll quickly see why Nugs.net is my favorite app. Link in show notes to start your seven-day free trial. Nugs.net, where live music lives. A member of the DATC media family. I'm playing the game at, you know, whatever the Acura stage or wherever she was. And I think that's, it's those little like tips and tools and tricks that we share with each other that, especially when we're in early sobriety, that really make a difference. You know, if you can't find somebody who's sober, who's, you know, a yellow balloon person to be in the show with, like, how can you, how can you make your experience as much about you and your higher power or and your, you know, kind of being in the music as like anything else to not, not distract from what you came there to do. And so that was funny when she was talking about how she called me, because I thought of that. I thought about introducing her to the game. <laughs> I made of myself that I play. <laughs> Welcome to the Much Obliged Podcast, The Yellow Balloon Experience, where we talk to and explore the live music fan base who have chosen to live drug and alcohol free. Each week, we interview a guest and then hear their speaker share, which is recorded at a Friday night speaker meeting. New episodes drop every Monday at datcmediacompany.com. Make sure to join us in our Facebook group and on Instagram at at Junkie. Also, we now have merch so you can get a Much Obliged or a Much Obliged Podcast Yellow Balloon Experience shirt. The links for that and our social media are in the show notes. Now on with the show. Then truth be told if you are willing and that promises Hey everybody. Welcome to the Much Obliged Podcast, the Yellow Balloon Experience. I'm your co-host, Benji, and I'm here with my fellow co-hosts, Matt and Lauren. And our guest tonight is Jen. Hello. Hey, Jen. Hey, How you doing? Jen. Thanks Thanks for coming here today. Good to see you again. My pleasure. Good to see you too. Man, your share this Friday night was absolutely spectacular. It was it was just wonderful. And it was really great to hear your story. And, and I think one of my favorite parts is seeing CC sort of gush all over you and just just be absolutely in love with you and it's a it's a beautiful thing to find that i was gonna say brotherhood but sisterhood um, <laughs> right in recovery yeah especially considering that we raged for many many years early morning late night uh in many places new york and san francisco and mm-hmm. new orleans and i remember that conversation that she was talking about that happened like every year at jazz fest Yep. which she referenced, which I think was funny. Like, and I think we all have that, like that one person that you're like, okay, cool. Like I got a seat for you. You know, it's like, are you still sober? How are you doing that? Oh, can that be any fun? Like, what do you mean? You know, like 
every year, almost guaranteed, you know, at four o'clock in the morning somewhere, that conversation happened between me and Cece. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like, I hope you, you might be on my team, you know, like, I hope, I hope, I hope you're on my team. And if you are on my team, I hope we get you, um, get you a chair and get you in, um, when it's time we'll be ready, you know? And so we were, which is how it works and is really cool stuff. Yeah. You, you'll appreciate this. So we, uh, we were just recording the interview with Murph and, uh, I told him that I said that CC has the recovery crush on you. And I think I've got a recovery crush on him. And so these will be, <laughs> be good back-to-back episodes. So. Nice one. <laughs> so. Love it. Can you talk to us a little bit about coming into the rooms of recovery and coming into the yellow balloon community? Um, you know, 17 years ago, the world looked a little bit different. Congratulations on your anniversary, by the way. Uh, 17 years ago, the world looked a little bit different and um, it's changed. It's different. That's clear. But how has it changed and how is it different for you? Yeah, I think I talked about kind of coming into the rooms and then going out of the rooms and trying to do it on my own Um, and coming back into the rooms and then realizing um, that if I wanted to do this thing that I love, I needed to get a solution and I needed to get a way to be able to do it. Um, and so I think it also just happened in my sobriety at the same time that James Bonsek had always held together the happy hour heroes and built the website and did the bookings and coordinated all the things. And it also just so happened that there were changes in James's life at that point in time. And I guess it was 06, like early in sobriety for me, 07. Um, and I said to him, hey, seems like you're kind of slammed. Um, we got to keep this thing going. And like, we got a whole lot of shows happening. And so can I can I take this from you? Like, I know Skip and I know Frank and I know the guys and I can like, I can coordinate. Like, I'm happy to coordinate. And he was happy that I was willing to be of service. So my like, entry into yellow balloon then was like coordinating the happy hour heroes table and then in coordinating the happy hours table I felt so much more comfortable just showing up there in whatever city I was in because I had set the person up for service and like here's the instructions and here's when you get there and here's your name on the list and all that kind of stuff um and so I never had a sense of nerves right approaching the table um but yeah my foray into yellow balloons was to just pick up the balloon, so to speak, and run. Um, And then after that, you know, I can, I think of the other people who kind of showed up and were willing to do it. And Georgie was always there to do it. And, you know, Becca and um, Jackie and all these different people um, that were willing um, to help. But that was how I, how I got in. And then anytime I was at a show, my friends knew like, and it would almost invariably be like the lights would be coming up at set break. And half the time it would be like, okay, we'll see you after the meeting where they were just like sending, sending me off with love. Or they knew when the lights came up, if I wasn't there, they knew where I was. And I was already at the table, which is um, pretty life-saving. And whether it was like saving me or helping somebody else in a moment, it um, it's all, it's all the goodness that we we get and we give in that situation. I also like the candy. <laughs> that's, 
be reasonable. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> I always need a little candy. <laughs> Good set of Smarties never hurt me. Like since coming in to the scene, you know, whether have you noticed a change specifically, uh, more awareness around just being a woman in the scene? You know, for like for me personally, I've noticed that, you, you know, when I first came in and then getting sober, I feel so much more at ease and and so much more safer simply because I'm not putting myself in those vulnerable situations. I was just curious if that has, has changed at all for you. Um, I think the, I think the being a woman on the scene thing is, um, is interesting, I guess, you know, there, there still is this thing. Uh, there are some, some men who feel like they have the right to be on the rail or the right to be up front or the right to put their hands on someone when you're moving. Um, and, uh, and that's a bummer. I think, you know, I think there are more women, um, groups. Like I know there's, um, you know, within the, I'm also in the mama ragers community and there's a bunch of women in there who are working on, you know, not drinking in their own way, right. Whether it's program or however they're doing it and they're talking about it and they're saying, Hey, this is like what I'm going through. I think people staying honest and true and saying what's going on is, is the key. I know for sure that myself and, and my friends, like if I see something going down, I'm going to, I'm the person that's going to jump in the middle of the situation and start raging and create some space, whether it's to get that person whose hands are on somebody else out of the way or to just create a different like focus on what's happening because right. people's focus goes in the go in the wrong direction sometimes they forget there's a band on stage right and there's like a whole bunch of ways you can sort of like redirect the energy and I I show up and I feel like if I if I get that signal that that's what's happening then my responsibility in the space is is to shift that energy and bring that energy and I can, and that's a role that I'm happy to step into and a, and a safe space I'm happy to create. Um, and I think there are more and more women who like I'll lock eyes with and we like know what's going on, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I, I appreciate that. And I hope that I'm, I'm helpful to people in those, you know, scenarios. And usually I am helpful. And usually I know I'm helpful because somebody hands me a bowl and I'm like, cool. I don't need that. Thank you so much. <laughs> but I'm glad you're good, you know? And it's sort of just like the acknowledgement of like, that's the thank you, right? From a lot of people. And I'm like, okay, cool. Mission accomplished, right? Like you're safe. You're in a better spot. Now you're going to enjoy the show. Let's rock. But, I, but I'm good. Like, I, I don't need that. But to have the the environment or the energy change enough that like somebody can get to that position and be standing solid in their in their space is like, okay, cool. Now we can get back to what we came here for. Right. There's a lot of energy in the space that you notice when you're sober that's like <laughs> frenetic energy that isn't always isn't always like online <laughs> with what's happening. Um, and so if if my like raging and kind of bringing the light can get that back online for everybody and going in the same direction. That's what I do it for. That, that really makes, 
makes me happy. And that's the give back for the service that I give. Right. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. I really love that. No, I just, I can definitely relate, you know, as you know, being a sober woman, it shows like you're seeing so much more and you see a way that you can help as, you know, a person in a, whether it's a, you know, a woman or, or even a guy, you know, it's like, that's kind of what we're there for. I think now is to, is to be of service and help people and help to, you know, diffuse situations or deflect like you were saying. And, um, I just, I love the way that you, uh, articulated that. So thank you. I do too. I do too. You use the word responsibility. Um, and it, it makes me think of what, you know, my responsibility is while in a similar situation. It's, it's, it's an interesting topic and it's, I'm really glad that we're discussing it right now and that you were able to voice it in the way that you did. It's really, it's just, there's a lot happening all at once when you look around and the further you look, the more that's happening. And if we can, you know, keep our own smaller circles cool, you know, that, that spreads out. And, uh, I just really like the way you said that. Thanks. Yeah. My pleasure. And if our circle is small and there's somebody extraneous to it that we can bring in Mm -hmm. to, to strengthen the, the vibe and the good time and like, you know, improve their experience that improves my experience. Right. So I think that's the thing that, that, we always, my friends and I always do is like, we'll be raging or we'll see somebody bringing it and we're like, okay, we're going to go to them. And then we're like, oh my God, we're all throwing down together. Amazing. You know? And that's how the relationship is built. And you're like, okay, when do I see you again? Right? Like, cool. I'll see you then. And you will recognize and remember that person, you know, forever. Like I can think about the, the folks at, you know, Tipitina's, or I can think about the the two folks at summer camp who were, who had Hal's head, like in a crazy repeated print, like on their shirts, just raging in front of Al, you know, like bringing it. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll be able to drop in and connect with them when my path crosses with them again. And that's, that's how I can go anywhere to any show in the scene. And now I'm going to see a face that's like, I've had that I've shared that space with that's the goods as I'm concerned. I love it. I love it. You, you've got such a good handle on, uh, you know, the, the joy and fun that we're supposed to be having at the show and the responsibility to make sure that other people are also, you know, have the capacity to do so. Um, and you know, the, the service work that you do for the happy hour heroes is, uh, it's it's a game changer you know i don't know if we've ever shared this but the happy hour heroes were there when i hit rock bottom and uh you know mow down four was uh you know was was that uh that relapse that <laughs> set me over the edge and um you know i think about like those core memories of of mow downs with the happy hour heroes where they were there to pick me up and put me back together when i needed it most um so and conjuring yeah. names like Georgie and James and, you know, Brian DeBats and, you know, those yeah. guys, I mean, those, those guys were Marcus. Oh, yeah. Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. I um, yeah. One of my conversations when, when Cece was talking about um, when she was having a hard time at that jazz fest um, at her first one, and we got on the fairgrounds together and she was kind of having this experience of like, 
you know, people, which you have, you know, like when you're like, oh, I can't just lose myself in the way I'm used to losing myself because I can't drop into whatever my choice substance is to check out. Right. And so I'm really here. We had this great conversation. I think it was at the Congo square stage where I was like, do you want to know what I do? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, I'll step into any space and rage and dance as like small and tight, but big and hard as I can, knowing I'm not going to hit anybody. I'm not going to smash anybody. And I'm just going to have the fiercest, most insane, intense, awesome time, like in that space. And I'm playing a game with myself to see how I can do it. And then I got a text from her later on and she's like, I'm winning the game. Right. Cause she, we, we split courses and went in different directions. And I was like, I was like, so just like, that's how I had to like, then I didn't have to worry about you or what you were doing or what you had in your hand or anything else. I just had to think about me and the music and my body aligning to the music and just going the place where I was always wanted to be in the music anyway. Right. And so that made me so happy when she was like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, and then I got the text message, like I'm winning the game. I'm playing the game at, you know, whatever the Acura stage or wherever she was. Um, And I think that's, you know, it's those little like tips and tools and tricks that we share with each other that um, especially when we're in early sobriety that really make a difference. You know, Um, if you can't find somebody who's sober who's, you know, a yellow balloon person to be in the show with, like, how can you, how can you make your experience as much about you and your higher power or, and your, you know, kind of being in the music as like anything else to not, not distract from what you came there to do. Um, And so that was funny when she was talking about how she called me, because I thought of that. I thought about introducing her to the game. (laughs) I made of myself that I play, <laughs> but it's really funny because everybody thinks like I'm going to smash them, you know, because I rage, but I don't need a lot of space to rage. Like you could give me like six inches on either side and I'm good and I'm going for it and I'm not going to hit you, kick you or knock you down. If you're trying that drunk, you're not going to do as good as me. You're going to trash some people, hurt yourself and probably fall down. And like, I get a little bit of like the joy out of that, you know, just like, Cause then I, that's the other thing I can do. And I think about my responsibilities, like these people over here, A, they probably need some gum. They need some candy. I might hand them some sugar. I might rage a little bit and like, kind of like refresh the sort of like burning some incense, right? It's like refresh the scene. And then like, I can keep on moving. Right. And uh, hopefully that leaves that little space in in better, in better sense and better feeling. So I don't know if you have any games y'all play with yourself in your, in your rage. But that's, that's my trick that I play with myself sometimes when I'm trying to get out of my head. Yeah. I, um, I, I'll, I'll share about that in a second, but there, you reminded me there's a, there's a great story from uh, one of the ladies in the fellowship. And I, I believe it was Alpharetta, like 17 or 18, maybe 19, Lauren, you might remember this, uh, where she was, just dancing like there was a group of like 30 or 40 fells together dancing and she was just she Mm -hmm. was going for it and security came over and they were thought that she was like 
ODing or wigging out or something. And they're like, do we need to help this person? And they were like, no, she's just dancing. And they were like, are you sure she doesn't look okay? And they were like, no, 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 she's, she's cool. That's she's so okay. <laughs> that checks <awesome>. out. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes when I uh, when I need to uh, refocus during the show, right, I get distracted and 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 my mind wanders, and I'm like, no, I I just need to be here. I I go back to the to the stage mentally, right, like refocus on the stage and say like, what did that person do before he got on the stage? Like, did he practice today? Did he talk to his family today? Like, this guy is entertaining me, and he's entertaining all these people in the room, but. After this, is he going to call his kids at set break and FaceTime with them and say goodnight because he's a human who's having a human experience mm -hmm. also. And and when I mm -hmm. when I when I do that, it it removes the clutter that sometimes mm. makes, you know, all that noise in my brain. And, you know, it's one of the one of the benefits of social media is, you know, you could see people who you only ever see on stage and then you could see them with their kids and you could see them like experiencing stuff like humans because they're also humans yeah. like believe it or not yeah um totally so uh i i'm i'm glad to know i'm not the only one who has to like sometimes actively work on being present oh yeah because it can be overwhelming the energy can kind of take you off your rocker right yeah. and sometimes then it's just like okay what is rob doing then i'll like pick the or what is you know stasic doing or what is chris doing what are his feet doing on the drums right like so then it's just like, I'll just dial in on the one instrument and phase the other stuff out and go, right. whoa, there's a lot going on there. And then I can kind of, then I'm like, okay, cool. Then bring Joel, then bring, you know, Brandon, then bring everybody else. Um, and then I kind of get it back. But sometimes you peel back the layer and like start singularly, right? And then also kind of, because there's so much, each of them are doing so much, right? Yep. Like there's so much juicy goodness in each of it. Like, and that's what it sounds like amazingly in, in whole, but it's also pretty amazing on its own too. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to, Jen, <laughs> thank you so much for being Fair. here. Um, you're a rock star. You're amazing. And we love you. And I'm, I'm grateful that everybody is about to get to hear your story and hear your shares. And um, you know, if, if you go to a Mo show and you see a yellow balloon at the table or you see a yellow balloon, table uh it's because jen has done her job and has made sure that it's a safe place for us to go so um thank you for for doing what you do come in and see us yeah and with that <laughs> on with the show on with the show on with the show thanks y'all A little bit about our speaker now, and we have a very special guest intro to the speaker. CC has a recovery crush on Jen, and we're going to let CC do the intro for Jen. I do have a recovery crush on Jen. Hi, I'm CC. I'm a grateful recovering addict, and I have had the pleasure of watching Jen rock recovery for um, 17 and a half, maybe a little bit more years. She's inspired me to see that recovery is possible and that you can enjoy live music. And I have witnessed her energy at Jazz Fest. I have witnessed someone come up to her after a show and thank her for bringing such an amazing 
energy to a new master sound show at the House of Blues. Um, and I'm really grateful to hear her story right now and for everyone else to hear it. Welcome, Jen. That was awesome, Cece. You did that a was awesome. Good job. Uh, <laughs> before we hand the room over to you, Jen, we have a tradition. Uh, we ask everybody to unmute. I'm going to count the three, and we're going to tell you how much we love you. Three, two, one. We love you. We love you so much, Jen. You, Jen. Thanks you're so much, Jen. Glad you're awesome. here. That's sweet. Thanks, everyone. Now thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hi, I'm Jen. I uh, identify as an alcoholic. I identify as a happy hour hero as well. And I identify as a member of Much Blige, for Frat, any good music-loving, happy community of people that are trying to do slippery slippery stuff without slipping. Um, my, uh, my anniversary is April 19th. My friend always says, you couldn't make it to 420, which always makes me laugh. <laughs> and it's partially true. <laughs> um, so April 19th, uh, 2006 is my uh, sobriety date. I have a, um, my program is that I do have a sponsor. I live in Austin, Texas, and I do have a home group here in Austin, Texas. Um, so uh, background on, you know, for me is I um, woke up that kind of uh, kid who felt like if I was perfect, that you would have to love me. And so that set this tone of like, constantly striving and constantly feeling like I was letting people down. Um, it led to me not even being able to feel the successes or the celebrations. Um, it led to me kind of constantly being on a wheel of, um, I can make you laugh. I'm so funny. I can, I I'm the greatest. I'm all of these things um, to try to feel comfortable I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, I don't, I, I can't tell you when or why. I know I just have had my my dad who is like my guy um, say to me, I love you. You're so beautiful and so thoughtful. And the only thing I could respond to that was to say like, you're wrong. That was, that was the voice. Like, you're wrong. You don't know. You, you don't, you don't know how this works you're, you're wrong. You're not right. And I don't know why that is, but that is fully, <laughs> uh, what became, um, the message that was running in my operating system. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't everything enough. Um, and there was all of a sudden, you know, alcohol that, you know, took me to a place of not having to worry, not having to think. I mean, much to the chagrin of many of the people I knew who were picking me up off the ground or cleaning up my puke or any of the things that um, I was doing when I was drinking. Um, I started drinking when I was 12. It was like a an eighth grade dance or something, seventh grade dance. I got just shit faced. Um, by myself, home alone. And, uh, and that was it. I was like, I really like this. And then it was like, my life was all about, like, I have to go there again. 
and again and again. And so I just started at 12, like chasing it um, wherever I could. Um, there's Christmases that I don't remember because we were allowed to drink at my Nona's house and Bert and Christmas presents. Like, this is so amazing. It's like, you got it last night, you asshole. Great. So, oh, sorry for cursing. I don't, don't know if there's a cursing rule here. Okay, cool. <laughs> I forgot to ask. It's actually um, Okay. <laughs> um, it's funny. My rock bottom accelerated in a couple of, of different ways. Um, how things started getting messy, you know, things were messy, like sitting at a bar on a bar stool from like five o'clock until two in the morning. And then somewhere along the line, someone, my friend made me go to jazz fest. And I was like, holy shit, we can drink all fucking day. This is like the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. And there's music and there's people that were like me and people were rocking out. And it was like 2000, my first jazz fest. Um, I'm like, okay, I don't have to sit in a bar and be bored and talk to stupid people. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can just rage, right? Like, this is like my place. This is amazing. Um, and then I found a whole new home in like bands, in music, in going on the road and maxing out my credit cards and spending money I didn't have to buy plane tickets to go places I shouldn't have been going, but I went anyway. And tickets I couldn't afford and drugs I couldn't afford and, you know, everything. Um, and a lot of it was fun. Um and it was, you know, it is that thing where like, it's fun until it isn't. It's fun until like you lose the job and you get fired for smelling like vodka and showing up because you never went to sleep or you, you know, get fired because you completely screw up your job because you're too busy, like raging in Vegas and not running the trade show that you're there in Vegas to run and you lose that job. Right. And so it was like this constant um, occasion of, and then my just determination was like, it's New York's fault. So I'm going to pull a geographic and I'm going to move to San Francisco and great. And, you know, unfortunately, like I went with me and uh, um, that ends up being, um, that's an, that ends up being where it all really, really fell apart. Um, I was away from home. I was away from my, my friends in New York who I knew I was um, away from my family for the first time. And I was with a partner who worked from three to 11. So I came home from work in a city where I didn't really know a lot of people and just drank two buck chuck on the couch from whenever I got home to whenever I could, or, you know, went out and drank before, drank during, drank after. And then it started like not working as in I'd get thrown out of the place out of the independent, or I would be in a blackout before the music started, or, I would hear voices in my head, like talking shit about me. Like you suck and fucking worse and blah, 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 blah. Thought I was losing my mind. So then I had this doctor and he was like, okay, why don't you try Valium? So then I was trying Valium. And then I was like, I want to stay up all night and not do blow. So then take medication for a night shifter to stay up. And literally I would force myself to stay up by taking this medication so I could be awake. So I so I could drink. I mean, like really, so I could drink. And my last drink was a happy hour with work where they were like, you need to go home. And then I opened a bar tab for the 
for my whole team at the same bar. They were like, we're done with this. I was like, no, we're not. I opened the tab. Everybody keep drinking. Then I went to karaoke somewhere at the Mint, made a complete ass out of myself. Then I came home and I don't know whatever time. And the next thing I know, I was waking up and my partner had a bag packed for me. And uh, that the news was, I'm like, I don't even know. What are you talking about? And the news was like, you tried to beat the shit out of me when I was sleeping last night. And you need to go. (laughs) Oh, fuck. That sucks. Uh, So what did I do? Like, I mean, I, I, the, the blackout couldn't have been bigger or darker or blacker, right? Like it was, there's just like no recall whatsoever um, there. And um, as that kind of came to me, it was like, huh, okay. And then, you know, there's more information because there's often people around us in our lives who protect us and, you know, keep our secrets or help make everything look okay. And so the conversation, you know, like, he's like, leave for right now. We'll talk tomorrow. And then we talked the next day. It was, well, remember we used to have like a little bar in the back and remember how we used to like have drinks before we went out or now we don't have alcohol in the house. And he was like making all of these changes in our experience in the house, eliminating alcohol. But I just, I just found like, I wasn't going to eliminate it. So I just would find it elsewhere. Um, And then the news was my, his father was an alcoholic who didn't show up for him, who was abusive. And I would, uh, you know, he's like, you're an abusive, you're an abusive person. You're emotionally abusive to me. And now you're physically abusive to me. And I'm not going to do that. And that, that was it. Um, that was like, no, I'm not going to do that either. Um, and I was fortunate in my life to have bumped into Lynn Lesh on the front row at the Sanger, who has now 44 something years of sobriety. And the night that I met Lynn Lesh at the Sanger, I handed her a vodka drink. I handed her ecstasy. I handed her mushroom chocolate no, thank you. I'm good. I had my whole bag of stuff and wouldn't find out until so much later how many like 25 years sober she was at the time. But I knew in that moment, like, oh shit, I'm screwed. I don't know what's going on. And I got to call Lynn Lesh and she'll, she'll help me. And so her message was really simple and it was such a relief. Like the first thing she said was, you don't have to drink anymore. Like, that's the craziest thing you'd ever hear. Like, if you're me, that's like the absolute most ridiculous thing. Like, and it sounds so simple. It's like so easy. You don't have to drink anymore. You never have to drink again. Like, what world is this? Right. But it's like, you know, it just starts with like, you know, stringing two minutes together. And then it starts with stringing 60 minutes together. And like, you know, can you, can you not drink for the next 60 minutes? And can you call me in an hour? I'm like, sure, I can do that. And then she's like, okay, you're doing great. Call me in another hour. Right. And then we did it like, call me in 12 hours. Right. And so there was, this like, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and, uh, 
I'm, I feel so fortunate that I had that Lynn as this person in my life who did everything and didn't stop and did music and was um, so powerful, such a powerful presence just in general. Um, and obviously there's a reason why I was so attracted to her on the rail. I need, you know, like I needed her. She had, she was holding my seat, right? She was keeping my seat warm for me. Um, the, the program for me um, was bumpy to begin with. I went in and I didn't want to drink, but that didn't mean necessarily mean I had willingness to do what you told me to do. Like I'm still a little obstinate asshole in, uh, in my, in my greatness. And so I went into a meeting and I got a sponsor and I told me to call her every day. And I was like, I'm not fucking calling you every day. So she fired me like quickly. And my thoughts on program at that point were like, fuck this. I don't need this. But my, the result of quote unquote, not needing this was also because I loved happy hour so much was also me moving out and having a sublet and running home from work at five o'clock and going to bed at five 30 at night and like not being awake <laughs> when happy hour was happening <laughs> so that I would not drink. Like that was my like program of my thoughtful life, like going to sleep at five 30 at night when I was, you know, 32 years old. Um, and I'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning and be like, damn, I wish I lived in New York because I could get anything in New York at 4.30 in the morning, San Francisco. I didn't have, I didn't have that, that, that goodness in San Francisco. Thank God. Um, but I put time together and eventually I got, um, I eventually got to the point of like, all right, I'm going to go see music. And it wasn't what Lynn it wasn't, I didn't see, I didn't get to have what Lynn had. I didn't have this purity of the music and me. I still was in my head. I still was uncomfortable. I didn't have a program for how I felt not being able to check out like everybody else was doing around me. Um, and so that that was in my like early, like 60 day, you know, 60 ish days. That was a, a white knuckle bottom for me was I'm at a show in San Diego seeing Mo and I can't get back far enough away from everybody. I'm like outside the venue, like the music is hurting my ears and I'm hurting. And I finally just said to myself, like, okay, like this isn't it. Like this is, this is not working, right? Like this is your favorite thing in the world and you want to literally run away. You're literally in pain hearing this right now. And like, it doesn't seem like this is the way that it has to be. It seems like this is a thing that you're choosing to not allow for this program to give you some ease. And so like, you got to figure it out. And so that was my, my second sort of bottom. Um, and then that next day I got into as many meetings as I could and I found a sponsor and I started working the steps. Um, and my, goal at that point, it was like September. My goal was to make it on the Mo Cruise in February and not be the person who lost somebody's laminate, was a drunk asshole, embarrassed my friends, like ruined their vacation. It was like, 
it wasn't even for me. It was like, can I just please go with these people who I love with this music that I love? And can I not make a disaster out of this whole thing? And we did a step a week. We just like, we were blazing. Um, but I was going to meetings and I had service commitments and um, I figured out that if it was hitting the fan, my plan was to run out of the show into a stairwell and to say the third step prayer. And I did it multiple times on the cruise and I didn't ruin anybody's time. And I had a great time. And um, the promises of the program, which seemed, I mean, galaxies away from me when I was drinking um, were revealed to me and actually, you know, happened for me. And you know, life, you know, I just was reading, um, I hosted our meeting on Wednesday and I was just reading Women Suffer Too. And it's so funny in the, in the big book of alcoholics, like anonymous men wrote it and they say he and all this stuff. And it's like the language, sometimes people get tripped up. And so, you know, I kind of just read it, you know, agnostically from a kind of pronoun perspective, but, you know, there's a part of that story where it's exactly my story, right? It's like, I woke up, I blacked out, you know, like, it's just like exactly that. The feeling of pain, like, would just be numbed and need to be numbed and numbed and numbed and numbed. Um, and I had to read that because, like, 17 years now and almost 18, life is so different. Like I intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle me. And honestly, when I stopped drinking, that was the only promise that I really, really wanted. Like I wanted to know how to navigate the world because I didn't. I had no idea. Um, at least I didn't know how to do it perfectly. And I didn't know how to do it in a way that would be okay with you. And then what I realized is like, has to be okay with me, not with you. That was pretty big for me to realize that. It took me like my whole life to shift just that one thought. And then it was, it just needs to be right between me and my higher power. That's who it needs to be right with. And my higher power is mine and knows there's nothing about me that's perfect, but there's a lot about me that's really fucking awesome. And that's, why it just shows up and helps and guides and directs and stops me <laughs> at times from opening my mouth and gives me the pause when I don't know where the pause came from, right? Um, I have a pause now. I never had a pause in my life. I would tell you to go fuck yourself faster than anything else in the world. And then I would deal with the repercussions of it after the fact, because you could be my boss, you could be a doctor, you could be anybody, right? And I didn't have a problem. If you hurt me or harmed me in some way, I would tell you to just go fuck yourself. But like, that isn't necessary for me today. <laughs> Thankfully. Um, today, uh, life I think uh, in general, life is is huge. I had a I had a coffee chat this afternoon with a 
epic woman who founded a company and then another company and then another company. And I asked her for a seat on her advisory board and told her what she should do to improve her business. And she was like, I think we could give you 1% of the business. Like, let's do this. And I'm like, okay, cool. I had just this free flowing, smart conversation where I brought myself to the conversation where I said to my higher power, Hey, like, just show up for me with this. Let's see what happens. Right. Like I didn't have a big intention. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to see if this was a fit. I really like her. And um, it was effortless. That's when life is really good and in the flow, when, when my uh, higher power has the lead, there's an effortlessness to life that is like the best thing ever. Um, I have a six-year-old, so it's pretty cool and pretty crazy um, to be kept on my toes by a tiny human um, in so many different ways. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. I mean, and I, I think in that blackout, in my madness, I think it was it, it always about the fight in my art, my, in my uh, relationship at that time was how I wanted to be a mom and he was not going for it. And so at 32, I was panicking about how I was not going to be a mom. And uh, at 41, I was going through a divorce and was not in a relationship. And at 42, I gave birth to a beautiful girl who is my light and shining armor. Sometimes um, she's got me more than I've got her. Um, and that is not something that I did by myself. Um that is uh, me getting out of the way a lot. Um, that's me cleaning up my side of the street. There was a lot of mess. Uh, there were a lot of messes that I made. There were a lot of things that I had to make amends for uh, to myself, to my partner, to friends, to the girl who's face went through the windshield when I was driving drunk um, to, to so many people and so many institutions, like every cab driver in New York City, because I used to fucking be drunk and didn't have money and I'd take a cab wherever I wanted to go and then I'd get out of the cab and I'd fucking run and I wouldn't pay anybody for the cab ride. I mean, just like the mess, right? The, the, like my friends used to always say when I was like running around drunk at a festival, like, are you writing another chapter in the wreckage book, Jen? And I would be like, yeah. And then the next day I'd be like, what did I do? Right? Like, I, I don't have any moments of horror or panic of like, I don't know what I did. Like, I know what I did. And uh, I'm not always doing it right. <laughs> I'm not always doing being a person right. I'm not always doing being a partner right. I'm not always doing being a mom right. I'm not always doing being a fucking PTA, whatever the thing is, do all the things for school, bring all the things, volunteer for everything. I'm not doing it all right. I'm just trying my best. And that's, that's all I can do. Um, and when I'm there, 
I'll give it my, I'll give it my all. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you the shirt off my back. I'll give you, I'll do anything for you. If I can help you in some way and you can let me know. And I'll do that because that's who, that's who I really am. Actually, <laughs> it turns out. Um, and so pretty cool to have the opportunity um, as I have gone through sobriety time and program time um, to walk in my, like to take steps and be in my body and be conscious and um, dance and scream and sing and be exhausted um, and be so, so, so super grateful. Um, my friends, you know, the normal people, right? They're like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking St. Louis. And they're like, what are you going to do there? It's like, I'm going to see Mo there. Who are you going with? Myself. <laughs> like, what? Like, huh? It's like, I can go anywhere in the world I want. And I can go there by myself. Not ever truly by myself. My higher power is with me. But I can show up and be in a community of people. And there's people I know everywhere. There's people I know in New Orleans everywhere. I once went to Jazz Fest by myself for the entire two weeks. And I was like, oh, I'm going to Jazz Fest. I wasn't by myself for a minute. Because all the people that I love are there. Everywhere you turn around and see somebody that you love. And so, like, the greatest gift for me is kind of interesting. The greatest gift for me was, like, finding the live music community that I didn't have. Using it as a place to write a bunch of chapters in my wreckage book. <laughs> Make a bunch of a mess. Um, and at the same time, find the the person that was representative of light and sobriety and goodness also in that community to know I could do it and I would have help and I wouldn't have to do it alone. Um, and a friend of mine here in Austin says, you're only as alone as you want to be. And that one gets me every single time because I can, I still do feel this alone, this sense of alone, whether, um, and I think that's just the new way that ism plays out, right? Um, I'm not drinking, I am practicing a program, I'm praying, I'm meditating, I'm being of service. And that dark hole of, you know, whatever that is that I was always filling, smaller now, but it's still, it's still there. It still needs a little bit of cover sometimes. Um, and it is always when I'm like, oh, I don't have anybody. I don't, you know, that I'm like, I'll hear Lisa say, you're as alone as you want to be. And I'm like, oh, just pick up the phone. Just pick up the phone. But it weighs like, sometimes it weighs 5,000 fucking pounds, that phone. I can't tell you why. Sometimes it's really hard for me. I would, that's the one, th if I could like have a magic like wand, if I could change anything about my sobriety and me, it would be that 
I would not feel like the phone weighed 5,000 pounds. I would feel like the phone and calling people in the program and saying, hey, how are you, is not only the best and the easiest thing, but a super like effortless and, and such an impactful thing. Like when people call me and they're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, holy shit, I'm so glad you called me every single time. But like to dial the phone, it's like, oh my gosh, it's, it, I just, I'm just outing myself because this is like the one thing I really, I think there's room for, there's opportunity for growth and improvement in being connected, right? Like, thank God we have Zooms and we survived COVID in this setting, right? That was like the craziest thing ever. Um, and it's so weird still to share and not hear people laughing. Like that's fucking weird. Let's be realistic, but it's okay. Right. Cause there's some people there who, who can that day uh, be on camera and, you know, and let me see that you're laughing or that you hear me. And I can't be on camera every day on every zoom a meeting. So I don't expect everybody to, but the couple people that are there um, that let you know, like, I see you and I hear you and I understand what you're saying and this is making sense to me or helping me in some way. Um, that's, that's where the, the goodness is. Um, and uh, fortunately, if you stay away from drugs and alcohol, like it just keeps coming <laughs> and it just keeps getting better. Uh, from what I can see so far, 17 years in, um, it is, uh, it's a, it's a gift that I wish more people got because there's too many people that we lose who don't get it. And that sucks a lot. Um, so I wish that there was a way that more people could get the gift that I got um, or knew someone that was shining a light that they could say, hey, I'm fucking blowing up my life right now. Can you help me figure out how to not do that and how to not burn every fucking thing down to the ground? Like, could you please help me try and figure out how to not do that? It's like not everybody has that. Um but we have that in these communities and in these rooms. And I think we bring that, I see us bringing that to others. I got to be at the table with Benji at summer camp and like, this man is shining his light. It's freaking awesome. He made my light brighter just standing next to him. And that's, that's what we do. Um, that's why we're here. And for me, that's what it's, that's what it's about. Um, so I am a very super, super grateful, ah, sober, rager, fester, mom, daughter, friend, Jen Ritchie, uh, who is super thankful for the time I got to be with you today. And um, I think I'm going to end it there with, with really a ton of gratitude. Thanks. Thank you, Jen. That was awesome. The room is open if anybody would like to share. Cece, please go first. 
was going to try and be good and go last. Um, Jen, thank you so much for that beautiful chair. I have heard your story before. Um, I One thing I resonated this time was um, I remember the my second Jazz Fest, which was the first one that I ever did a late night. And I was uh, outside after the 420 party at 7 a.m. And someone handed me a fresh like vodka tonic. And I was like, what? We can do this at 7 a.m.? Like we can take a vacation and drink during the day. This is the best ever. I have arrived, and you know, and 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 I had forgotten about that moment until you. Um and, you know, for me, what happened was was the live music just became a, a great place where I could you know be, an active addict, and it was okay, and music festivals and all that fed into that, but um. Uh, another thing I um, I feel like similar to you said, uh, Lynn, you know, was this woman that showed you that it could be done. You know, you shared your story with me like three days after you got sober. You told me about your friend that, you know, I'm like, how did you do that? She said, call me back. She said, call me back. And then I, you know, when you moved back east and I'd see you at Jazz Fest and every year you were so tolerant of me. I was this wasted person with wide eyes that was like, you're still sober and you're coming back. Are you having fun? Why are you here? Like, is this really working? Why would you do this? And it, how, you know, I guess 17 years, eight, 16 years, <laughs> I did that to you. And then finally, two years ago, I called you at Jazz Fest and I was like, I'm struggling. It's like, this sucks. Why am I here? It's my first sober Jazz Fest. And you said, meet me on the fairgrounds. And you went to that flagpole meeting. And there was no one there but you and I, and you introduced me to your friends and uh, you gave Lynn and I a chip in the gospel tent. And and later that night, I was on my own at, up front on the rail at DBA watching amazing music at 5 a.m., just loving life. And so thank you. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your story. I'm so grateful for you. And uh, I'm I'm going to stop babbling. And yeah, yeah, she's my sobriety crush. It's true. <laughs> I want to be like Jen. I want what she has. <laughs> Thank you for letting me Thank share. You, Thank you. We're going to make sure to say I'm somebody's sobriety crush. <laughs> Baking buttons. Just kidding. <laughs> my name is Ben G. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict and uh, Jen, thank you so much for sharing your story here. It's, uh, it's really beautiful to hear. Um, I, I feel like I share this all the time, uh, but I love when I hear somebody's story for the first time and I'm just able to like nod my head and be like, yup, I, I, I had that. I thought like that. I felt like that. I acted like that. And, um, a couple things that you said really stood out at me when you talked about, uh, drinking two buck chuck by yourself in your room um you know i remember getting drunk uh with friends as a freshman in high school in a dormitory at a boarding school and thinking like this is awesome and uh then in 10th grade getting somebody to buy me beer and vodka because i was going back to my room alone to get drunk and you know, thinking that that was totally normal because that's what need, people needed to do to feel normal. And um, when I am like out in the world and meet 
a 10th grader. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, these little children, um, for lack of a better term, uh, feeling the way that I felt when I was that age. And I thought that was normal, you know, because I didn't know any other way. And, uh, that's a first step for me every time I remember that because normal people don't feel that way. Like I got drunk with my friends and we partied together and had fun because that's what normal people do. But normal, normal 10th and 11th graders don't sit in their room. And, and when they get somebody to buy them vodka, the guy says, uh, what kind should I get? And I'm like the one in the plastic bottle. And he's like, why would you get the one in the plastic bottle? That's the cheapest, <laughs> most disgusting vodka. And I'm like, well, it's cheap. That's a good thing. And you know, when, when you're drinking vodka out of a plastic bottle, nobody asks you if you can, sh if they can share it with you, right? Like nobody wants some of that, you know? And, and when you fall, it doesn't break, <laughs> you know, <It's> like, <laughs> like cheap shit vodka, like pop off. Like that is, that's for an alcoholic. Like that's utilitarian. Right there. Like Ooh, We drink yeah. because we like the effect produced by alcohol. Uh, like I'm, I'm laughing. You're laughing. Like, that's sad shit, you know. <laughs> that that's sad shit for a forty-year-old, for a tenth grader. Like that's that's pathetic. Um, but then the other thing that you said that I really related to was when you talked about uh, intuitively knowing how to handle the situations today. And you know, the end of that sentence is uh, intuitively knowing how to handle situations which used to baffle us. And I was baffled by everything. Like I did not understand why you were mad at what I was doing when I was just trying to survive. And I didn't understand why everything I touched turned to shit. And I didn't like the, the list of things that I didn't understand was significantly longer than the list of things that I did understand. And I had this expectation from the nine step promise that I was going to just fucking know how to do shit. Right. Like I was going to like cross this line and like now that i've reached this milestone i fucking know how to do shit and the answer is that hasn't happened uh but what i've intuitively learned or learned how to intuitively know how to handle is when shit comes up i don't have to drink over it and i know how to get the answer and i know to pick up the phone and i know who to talk to and i know to pray about it and i know to write about it and i like i know how to use my tools to figure out how to handle situations and so with all the things that i've had to deal with in recovery i haven't had to drink or use over them and that's pretty fucking spectacular because um I've had to deal with some hard shit, right? Life. It sucks sometimes. Yeah. It's hard. It's unpleasant and things happen. And, you know, the idea that, you know, I'm able to to navigate those waters with a set of tools that were taught to me, I'm fucking grateful for that. So I appreciate you, Jim. Appreciate you. Thanks. I'll take a share. I'm Hannah. I'm an addict and an alcoholic. Thank you so much, Jen. It was, I've heard your story once before and it, I, I resonated so much. Um, I really love the like uh, the epitome of attraction rather than promotion on the rail. It's like it's just so I mean, it's just such a beautiful symbol of like where you can go if you're sober and what you're capable of. And um, I feel like since when I first got sober, I did a ton of fish shows by myself. And it was because I like finally had the wherewithal to like book flights and drive and I owned a car and like all these amazing <laughs> things that happened when I got sober. And um, that was when also more and more of my friends who were still using were like, 
I think I need to get sober. I think I, like it was like, and I didn't say anything. They just knew I was sober. I was hitting all these shows, riding the rail, having a blast, showing up, you know, and really showing up, you know, like feeling good and being really tuned in. And I still get a lot of, you know, those people who years later are like, are you still sober? Like, because you see these people at all of these shows living these lives that are just so happy, joyous and free. And sometimes it's hard to believe that like they haven't continued or gone back to using drugs or whatever, especially when like, you know, that was the the main driving force. I mean, the music was always the, the like the hook, but then it was like, oh, no, the party. I stayed for the party. It was like and then it, it was no longer about the music. And I really identified when you shared about having a rock bottom when you were panicking at that Mo show, because that happened to me. It actually happened with me and Mo, and it was with my whole crew, like the family. And it's like, I was so uncomfortable and was like, if I can't do this, I I can't live like this. This is what I do to live. And this is what I do to like naturally get high now. So it's and it always has been. But um I really, really identified with that. And I'm so grateful to have come to a point where like, if I'm not feeling it, I I know what to do. And most of the time I'm feeling it, but it's like, I, I know what to do in those situations. I know how to take that space or most of the time it's because I didn't eat enough and I have to like go get a popsicle or go get an ice cream cone and be like, okay, now I'm fine. I can go back into the front of the crowd. Um, and yeah, the um, the promises that that was another thing that I just I really also everything used to baffle me. I was so lost and and the smallest things like opening my mail and like, you know, avoiding people and just so many things. Um, and I really liked you said effortlessness to life. And I truly believe that sometimes things can get a little boring for me and then I forget that like it's such a gift that things are effortless like my my friendships are effortless my the people in my life like music is effortless it's and when it's too much effort I don't go like it's I'm not bending like a pretzel to go push my body and my budget and my life to this unhealthy place um it's effortless like I just took a friend in recovery to the airport and it's like and we had so much fun in just that like 45 minute drive to the airport. And I was thinking like, I'm so lucky to have these people in my life, but I was not the friend who could bring you to the airport. I was the friend who missed her flight and you <laughs> had to come pick her up at the airport because she was she completely fucking, you know, I was a mess. And it's just, it's really a gift. And thank you for reminding me of all of my gifts. And um, I hope to one day see you at a Mo show or any other live music event. Hey, everybody. Matt, alcoholic. Well, yeah. uh, Jen, thank you so much for being here and for sharing tonight. That was really, there was a lot I could relate to. I mean, I was a early drinker myself, you know, early ages when I started, um, you know, 12 years old. And yeah. um there's just so much that I, I could really do so much other things. One of the one things that really jumped out at me was when you said, um, you know, how you were super concerned about what everyone else was thinking, what everybody else was talking about. And when you realized it, it only matters if it's okay with me, like that was, you know, that was a turning point for me as well. When I realized that it's what everybody else thinks really doesn't matter as long as it's something that is okay with me. 
that's where it begins. And that was such a, a huge lesson. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that tonight too, because it's just sometimes things jump out and that was, that was one of them. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Jen, and sharing your story. That's really nice to hear. All right. Well, we uh, we have a tradition of holding hands with the person in the box next to us. And Jen, you can take us out however you'd like. Uh, do we do the dude version of the serenity prayer here? Generally, that's what we do. Nice. Okay. We, we say dealer's choice and then encourage them to say the dude version. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> oh, take a minute. Uh, to take a deep breath and uh, to send some love and light to that person out there who thinks that they don't have any support in this world. Dude. 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 <laughs> Grant me Brenner serenity. To accept the things, to accept the things I, cannot I cannot change. change. The courage, courage to change, to change the things, things I can. can. The and the wisdom to know the difference. difference. <laughs> Jen, I've I've always wondered how come in happy hour hero meetings we don't say Rob instead of God. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Grammy the Serenity. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like, oh, I think I think it was Georgie that was like, "We're just just follow me," and right. that, and, that, and, <laughs> and uh, I'll always remember her for that. But she was like, Georgie. she's like, just, we're gonna start, dude." I'm like, "Okay," she's like, <laughs> so. She sort of said, you know, for me, that was like, okay, whatever Georgie says goes, yeah, you know. That's a pretty good Bless rule. Right. Whatever Georgie yeah. says. <laughs> Bless her soul. Did I ever tell you uh, my first time, the first time I met her? At the table, was it? At, at, so it was at, it was at Fish uh, in, at, in Brooklyn in 2004, the night that Jay-Z came out. And yes. I was trying to get sober, was not doing well. And I was like, uh, I didn't want to go up to the table because like, you know, I'm better than those people, you know, those people who need like fellowship and like camaraderie with like <laughs> other people and like those people are weak. And, uh, Georgie walked over to me and was like, Hey man, you're, uh, you're eyeballing the table pretty hard. Is there anything I can do for you? And I was like, well, she's like, Are you okay? And I was like, well, if you're asking, I'll tell you. And I just vomited, like we're vomited all over her. And she literally put her arm around me and she was like, come over to the table and let me introduce you to some people. And we ended up doing uh, like most of that summer tour together, uh, not driving together, but like as soon as I got out of the car, went, go meet Georgie, like hang out with <laughs> people. And uh, I mean, like I stayed at her place a bunch and she was I mean, she introduced me to the to the community. Yeah, literally took me and was like, "These are your friends now." Mm -hmm. So many of us, little angel that she is. Yeah. So awesome. All right, Jen, thank you so much for being here. Okay, DC, thanks so much for the invite, and all of y'all. Good to see you and hear you. Mm -hmm. Take good thank care, you, Jen. Love Have you a great night. night. Bye. Love you. Love you guys. Bye, Have fun, CC. Well, I'll try. Bye.